Welcome back to There Will Be Movies. This is a podcast talking about 25 of our favourite movies from A Chosen Decade. Volume 4 is all about the 80s. We are coming to the end of the 80s, though, uh, as we are making our final stop in 1988 with episode 98, Mystic Pizza. My name is Matt Waters. I will explain that in a moment. Ben, how are you doing this morning? I'm good. I'm good. I'm. I think this is the first one we're recording with, like, in my new house with all my books set up, so I'm actually mm. in my like permanent permanent new spot for recording the podcast, nice. just in time for us to record one more episode in this location and then have to figure out some other method of recording for our finale, most likely. Yeah. Spoilers, well, hints, hints of things to come. We'll see what happens there. Right, so let's get it out of the way. Uh, Missing Pizza is not exactly a towering achievement of cinema that many people are like, oh yeah, what a brilliant movie. One thing... That I think needs to be acknowledged up top. Tiny Matt Damon. Tiny Matt Damon, yes. Although mm-hmm. he's barely in it. And yep. how many lines of dialogue does he have? Like one? I think like two, and they're like spoken over in a crowd moment. So does that even count? Like, I think he has one, the camera is on you, talk, boy. <laughs> Mostly he's like reacting to other things going on in that scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as the and even shitty in... younger brother. Um, and Ben Affleck also auditioned and didn't get anything. Um, oh well. <laughs> no, we have to talk about uh, Julia Roberts, really. Oh well, yes. The 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 third movie of the three leads. Although I think Julia had her fourth movie in the can before this. Yes, Blood but, Red had been done. Yeah. And... So I guess technically it's the fourth movie, but whatever. I like the the symmetry of the three leads are all in the third movie. Does it arguably land her the bigger roles that come to her in the next? You know, few years with, with... Uh, you have to imagine it's it's Steel, Man- Steel Magnolias that does yeah. that for her because obviously. But does this land her Steel Magnolias and then that lines her Pretty Woman, and then obviously the height of her career, Flatliners. <laughs> What's the TV show that has? The- oh no, it's um, it's pop star Never Stop Never Stopping has the <laughs> Flatliners joke with um, Bill Hader yes. is like I'm really into Flatlining. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they love a niche, niche, niche thing. Yeah, so look. Every year, something ends up on the list that is kind of like a comfort movie, that is kind of like a silly little thing where you're like, how the fuck did that beat out, say, Akira Kurosawa's Ran? Well, I'll tell you how it did. I forgot that movie existed until last week. I was like, oh shit, Ran rules. Uh, But it was too late. We committed. Oh well, we got to 24 movies. Ben was simply too polite to refuse. You just kept refusing to pick a movie. So I was like, fuck it, Mystic Pizza. And well, then I assumed we were, eventually we at, you'd stop we me. At, but... I was at six, you were at five, and I was like, this last pick is yours. You get whatever you want, like carte blanche, pick whatever movie you want on this list. Okay, we've right. covered all of our bases, like we've got multiple movies for every single year, we haven't covered any multiple directors, like go wild, what is the movie you want to pick? And Matt, as his like special talent, gives me the like the three star special that that this always tends to be. Where like and I love it. It's probably my favourite episode to record each series is right. we all know there's like the, the ones that Matt is baffled by that Ben is either either that Ben is like really into babe or gremlins or Matt is like what the fuck is Florida Project? I'm having a bad time. Yeah. Whereas And then I'm like, his chef. Uh his... <laughs> chef, chef, I gave three and a half stars. Okay, three star, sorry. The three star specials are uh, in order of us doing them. Training oh, day. God. Okay, yeah. Training day. Bad times at the El Royale. Mm-hmm. It is. What was it for for last year? Oh, it, of course, last year. The one that is most in line with Mystic Pizza is Empire Records. Mm-hmm. Although this movie is not as messy as Mystic Pizza. Uh, not as messy <sighs> as Empire Records. No, this is a. 
I think this is a well-produced little picture. It just isn't, like, anything truly special, but fuck it. We are where we are. We are talking two girls, another girl, and a pizza place. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's Mystic Pizza. No, we're not talking two girls, another girl, and a pizza place. We're talking about three girls who happen to work at a pizza place occasionally. <laughs> How dare you? Pizza... <sighs> the pizza... Well-known, well-known Portuguese pizza... That internationally renowned dish of Portuguese pizza from the Algarve. Is this the largest uh, representation for Portuguese people in media outside of actual Portuguese media? Like, in, in terms of, like, Western portrayals of of Portuguese people or Portuguese immigrants, who none of the cast, I think, are even remotely Portuguese. I assume D'Onofrio is Italian. But is it? Like, I think it must be. I think so. I'm. I was trying to think of other... Portuguese American movies, and I'm like looking at this now. And the number one movie is Taboo, which is a Portuguese movie from 2012, so it does not count. Number two is Mystic Pizza, and then further down the list is Martin Scorsese's Silence, which is about well-known Portuguese actors Andrew Garfield, Adam Driver, and Liam Neeson going to going to Japan to spread Christianity. I feel Portugal does get overshadowed by Spain um, a lot, mm. so you know, maybe us doing this podcast will blow up and people will be like, hey, you know what? We should seek up more Portuguese media. And this is this is of... my my classical holiday destination was always Portugal. Like yeah. It was where my, my, my grandmother owned a, a, an apartment out in Portugal, so my family would always go out there. It was that thing where it was like, obviously in the UK, it's a relatively cheap holiday in comparison to a lot of places. Like One Foot in the Grave does its episode where they go One Foot in the Algarve because they want that pun where you just move the letters around classic british television show for those americans listening to this right now um about a man who is like i think he's like 58 isn't he or like there's some insane fact where like he isn't that old but he looks like an old man Mm -hmm. when that show starts and like even down to the point that like my partner and i last time we were in portugal we found like a really lovely vineyard and we're like genuinely considering like do we do a portuguese wedding in a few years time but that is still up for debate so 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 very nice to see Portuguese representation of this movie, which I think added to my battlement of what the Portuguese representation in this movie was. Um, <laughs> I did look up to see, like, because obviously we all know America is a country of um, immigrants, yes. and an awful lot of the people who were going in in early days were your Irish, your Dutch, your Portuguese, your like like a lot of persecuted people or people with access to the sea mm-hmm. were heading to america and i had to look to see like where are the portuguese american settlements in america and an awful lot of them are very obviously on the east coast like where this movie is like connecticut up, up in there i think maine's also got a very yeah new england strong, yes new england um and then i think further down the list is ca- uh, california which again is just where an awful lot of people made the journey to when some psychotic people decided to travel across america brave the desert that is most of that country (laughs) so yeah it is set in the town of mystic connecticut not filmed there because it is crawling with tourists all the time uh there is a place called mystic pizza where uh writer amy holden jones visited for the summer and was like inspired by to make the film after visiting mystic pizza um, they sold the rights to the name for not very much money because they were like, this won't be a very big movie. And it's not a huge movie, but I think it's still a much bigger movie than they anticipated. And then that led to, like, there are lines around the corner all the time. They renovated it to look like it does in the movie. Yeah, they opened a second location and, and all this sort of stuff. Um, but, like, the only scenes actually filmed in Mystic are where, <laughs> where D'Onofrio is standing on his, his boat where he has written Nympho. 
for his bafflingly has written the word nympho on the bow for for his fiance Jojo, and then she's like, "This is the eighties. You can't tell me what to do." And then everyone applauds for them. That is, I believe, the only scene filmed in Mystic, Connecticut. So, how far away were they filming then? Yeah, filmed in Stonington, which is nearby. Uh, but yeah, Mystic itself constantly crawling with tourists, which is something they acknowledge in the movie um, that you know they make more money when there are tourists, and and they say you know. Can't live with them, can't live without them, because Europeans don't tip. Hey ho. I was I was getting confused then because I was like looking at Mystic and I was like, is when I looked up Mystic Connecticut, it came up with Mystic River, and I was like, oh, is this the Mystic River from Mystic River? No, there's another Mystic River which is in Massachusetts. Yes, which is near Connecticut. Yes. <laughs> so probably is all named for the same thing. Weird. Get better with your names, America. Have more original names. Do you copy us too much? Yeah. It's very weird to, like, Google somewhere I mean, and you, then end up with somewhere in, like, New England. You, you know, like, like, we named them all that, right? And then they just, just kept them. Okay. Uh, See, anyway. Yeah, but, like, we did it smart with, like, New York. Where we got, we it was New Amsterdam, the and then they changed it. Was, it. To New York. Yeah. yeah. My favourite name in the entire world, New South Wales in, <laughs> in Australia. Like, two places that are yeah. not at all similar in terms of temperament. Yeah, we put the, we put the clip in in the episode. Uh, I guess it was in Babe. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, South Wales. <laughs> um, right. So, uh, this is the debut movie of the director, Donald Petrie. So, we have no other options for him for the 80s. He kind of came from TV, ends up going back to TV... You know, briefly does. I, I'd say his most successful one-two punch would be Miss Congeniality and How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days. But he also did things like Richie Rich and Grumpy Old Men. Yeah, but he ends up relegated back to TV. But you know, I think he he's supposed to do quite good stuff. Like the Kaminsky like method is supposed to be good. And yeah, he for a, he's a high batting average in his movies as well. In mm. terms of just ones that have a weirdly outsized position in culture. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Highly quotable or referential and yeah, yeah. I like How to Lose a Guy in Tango Days. I, I like Miss Congeniality. Says. Okay, well <laughs> then that's how we're different. Um <laughs> speaking of people who are different, I figure the way the only way to really tackle this, because it is kind of a just you know, some stuff happens over the course of an hour and a half and then they're all happy in the end, don't worry about it. Is to zero in on the three leads. And I have chosen to reverse the order in which they are credited. So we're going to start with Lily Taylor's Jojo, who begins the movie about to marry the incredibly handsome Vincent D'Onofrio. As oh, he's so hot in this. He's, he's, it's ridiculous. I was like, come like, on. <laughs> like, this is what? So he, it's, it's two years after he's obviously spent 18 months in England filming mm. Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. Because uh, he would have filmed that in 1986. So he had a couple of years off from that. And obviously he's he's put on weight when he does full metal jacket like yeah. he's he's he is obviously a very striking individual who is like obviously can be quite like built and he's obviously like slimmed down massively for this obviously he's also got in between full metal jacket and this adventures in babysitting in which he is likened to thor in that yeah. movie and it, it's just funny to think he is someone who for someone who is you would think would be quite like physically limited is actually able to do quite drastic physical transformations in in his acting and stuff like that like you think of 
Full Metal Jacket, you think of Mystic Pizza, you think of Men in Black, you think of um, Kingpin. Like, he is giving you really interesting physical performances and is doing not quite the level of, like, a Christian Bale level, like, <laughs> scale up, scale down kind of thing. But Stole he's definitely... <laughs> I was going to say the Christian Bale of his day. <laughs> but he's definitely someone who is a fantastic physical performer. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, he isn't asked to do much in this movie apart from just be kind of handsome and a bit of a dickhead even though i think this is probably the most interesting argument in the movie in terms of like obviously jojo and bill's relationship is entirely regressive because he's like when you love someone you get married to them right and it's like mm, not when you're like 18 years old kind of thing like that's yeah, definitely- but it's a deeply catholic town and yes. like you know they don't live together and the implication is you only live with someone you're married to and like you know so they're just sneaking around each other's parents houses and wherever they can bang including the toilet which i love at the end when they actually do get married they write honeymoon suite on the toilet (laughs) (laughs) it's actually like quite both of them are dickheads in terms of like her still using him for sex and him actually having his principles, but then... Men only want one thing, and it's disgusting. It's marriage. Uh, (laughs) No, he is pressuring her, basically. Like, it's very clear to everyone with eyes. He's pressuring her into marriage, she's pressuring him into sex. Yeah. Like, not a healthy relationship, but that's kind of like 80s rom-coms for you, is that there's always going to be some level of, like, ickiness in... It is a decent reversal of the the norm, though, in that you would think he would be pressuring her for sex and she wants to get married or something. But yeah, he is a he's a hell of a physical presence throughout the movie. Like he never actually fights anybody, but several times he like steps towards them and has to be dragged away. And then they always add in the second step back, which feels more realistic than like one single like drag them away. And yeah, he's just this big, big strapping man, and like. It makes it work when she says things like, God, I just can't stop thinking about his wrists, which I think comes back to what we've talked about in stuff like Bound, where like straight men have a terrible understanding of what turns women on, and things like hands are like a huge turn on for women. Yes, so you could like... tell that this movie had a female scriptwriter, and like the yes. fact that Amy Holden Jones is like first credited scriptwriter in this movie, you can tell that a lot of her stuff is making it into this yeah. movie. She was gonna like, direct it. They, I think they took it from her and then added like three more writers and a director, and she just gets to be still credited as lead writer. But did you look much into what had been changed in these no, later versions no, of the scripts? Because no. I, because it does feel there is an un, unremovable kind of like female gaze to to just how this is constructed, like, and just the way that these these characters act and react to each other and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, the uh, the ways in which Cat acts around Tim, yeah. the ways in which Daisy kind of, like, goes to get the get the booze. Yeah. Um, it's, like, there's just little character moments that feel far more lived in than female characters normally would be at this time, even if it is yeah. in service of something that is quite fluffy and disposable. Yeah. There, is a, there is 100%, like, truth and I think with all sincerity, that is something that I've always liked about the movie and, and like, why I would put it ahead of... Like, I don't I don't mind at all. Uh, I like trashy rom-com. Like I said, I, I quite liked and <laughs> had to lose a guy in 10 days. Um, but, like, the reason I would stump for this over some of those is it does feel authentic and truthful and, and with the female perspective in mind. Yeah, Jojo faints at their first wedding, <laughs> uh, which is the opening scene of the movie. And then they just keep seeing each other, and he's like, well, what's going on then? And then like they make up, and then he's like, cool, how about November? It's like, dude, 
Um, so I do have a question. Yeah. So she faints at the wedding. She does. And then they just call off the entire day? It seems that way. Because the like, dad sure is... I mean, he's furious because <laughs> Bill's there with his, with his trousers around his ankles. But he sure seems to fucking hate Bill at that point. Yes, I'm just, I'm just like... Because obviously Bill has done nothing wrong in terms of like... Yeah, Bill was ready to go. Like... Bill was ready to go. <laughs> Jojo faints. So obviously pissed off at Jojo for like wasting that much money on the day. But I'm like... Okay, unless it was like a serious medical emergency in which they had to go to hospital, which it sure doesn't sound like it was, wouldn't they just like wait for her to feel better and then go ahead with it? Unless like the church I... is like so fully booked that day that they just cannot. No, I assume she faints and is like, "Oh, can we? I can't," and then they all just accept that because why wouldn't? Why would you force somebody who just fainted to do something? And obviously they've like done the thing where like have they rented out Mystic Pizza? Do you reckon and like bought all this food in the same way that they do in the closing scene? Maybe. Although it feels like it's a completely different structure to Mystic Pizza than in any it's other. It's a different location, but I think it's supposed to be Mystic Pizza. Yeah. Because um, yeah, cause isn't it like them looking out of the restaurant's balcony at the end of the movie? So obviously they've just like stepped outside, but like yeah, getting ahead of themselves. But like yeah, it's just. <laughs> There is something about just the idea of them just kind of giving up so easily on this first wedding and then being like, let's reschedule it and spend another like $5,000 yeah. and all the food that we need to have to feed the entire town of Mystic of native population that feels odd for a, a relatively <laughs> slight mishap that's happened. Because eh. she could have just like not eaten that morning. She could be feeling really hot in her wedding dress. There's a, a lot of different reasons that would cause a bride to faint in the morning of their wedding that are not solely down to like getting cold feet uh-huh okay i just look if your partner faints at your wedding i don't want you to force her to get to still marry you that day if she doesn't want no to, we're though. weekend at burning is it burning is it there okay. in that situation we're putting the sunglasses on and she's gonna be like propped up okay and i'm gonna do the impression i do yeah. um okay <laughs> well anyway yeah, so Jojo and Bill stay together despite this. Bill is still pushing for them to get married. Jojo at first is like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. And then over time is much more like, look, for fuck's sake, I don't want to get married yet. And they have their many mishaps. Bill can't get it up in front of Plastic Jesus. Very funny moment. And yeah, that like she's like thirsting over him to her friends, and like he becomes this almost background character a lot, where he's just hanging out at the bars and stuff. And then every now and then it's like. They're all over each other, and he's like, no, but marry me. And then, yeah, the misguided incident with the boat, I still have no idea what he was going for there. But and then He thought it was cute. It was like a fun little joke. Call it, call his girlfriend a nympho because she wants to have sex with him all the time. Yeah. But, I mean, I mean that gets into, like, <laughs> oh, no. sex stuff like that, where, like, yeah. he's obviously, like, obviously all very, very Catholic, and yes. there's, like, He seems a simple a fellow, of... you know? Like, he's yes. been raised... With certain values, and that's just how it is, and he yeah. won't and even consider anything it, else. It is funny that like all of his friends are obviously like enjoying this joke and stuff like that, but there is the stereotype of like girls raised Catholic where they're just like, mm-hmm. I need Bloody to rebel, fuck, I need to rebel against this in like the most insane ways that I possibly can. Yeah, he breaks up with her. She lies and says that she broke up with him. Um, and that he cried, and I think he maybe was crying when he broke up with her, but anyway. And then obviously she has, like, a bit of a breakdown. But in that, she sort of is like, you know, if he loved, if he loved me, I'd he'd wait. But if I loved him, I'd marry him. And she's, she acknowledges she does want to get married and have kids one day, but she's, I guess they're all supposed to be in the very early 20s, or something like that. And ultimately she does just marry him, because... 
she well, acknowledges she kinda, that he knows her better than anyone else. I think she kind of has a breakdown, like, oh, actually, I do love him. I'm not she just also, desperately like, has, horny for him. <laughs> yeah, she has that thing, like, being with Kat as well, that I think is her, like, trigger moment. I think yeah. that evening with Kat is the thing where she realizes, oh... <laughs> no thank you to any of this. Yeah, that's what people do when they, like, use someone, use and abuse someone that they love. Yeah. Um, I maybe need to go make up with this person who does love me and yeah. is willing to, like... Not maybe not make compromises, but isn't gonna like leave me for their wife who is overseas very briefly. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, and that's kind of Lily Taylor. Like, I'll I'll bring her back up because she like bleeds nicely into the other stories. But I, like in so terms of her arc, that's all I've got. Oh, but she's she got more. Like, no, so I was just like I was trying to think like what do I know Lily Taylor from? Like, mm-hmm. what is the project that I know Lily Taylor from? Why do I recognize her more than not more than? Obviously, Julia Roberts, but like high fidelity. No, what I remember her from more than anything is Six Feet Under, where she plays okay. Nate's uh, wife for like a season and a half, and like oh, the mother okay. of his child. She isn't in it like that. Like she's in it quite a lot, but she dies quite early on, and then is like a ghost for like quite a long while afterwards. And obviously, like Six Feet Under is one of those shows where like so many people are on that show that you don't realize. But she's one of those people who had like a, a proper arc that took place over multiple seasons and whatnot yeah. and i think there's like an implied like incestuous relationship with her brother Fun. and like yeah i mean it's six feet under so like what do you expect it's a show that pushed boundaries because it's hbo not television um <laughs> god bless alan ball for for doing what he does but yeah. yeah like it was just it was just that moment where i was like, oh shit i watched a lot of a tv show that i didn't like overly love because of you um <laughs> or because i know what the ending of this show is and the ending of this show is kind of a perfect moment in television history yeah i mean she she racked up a lot of credits like american crime uh, as you say six feet under she was in oh no sorry it's annabeth grish that's in a lot of x-files she's in one episode of x-files yeah annabeth gish annabeth gish is the one who takes over for Gillian anderson yeah. um so she's got that like i think she does come back for like season like the the two later yeah, seasons the, yeah yeah she does yeah but yeah i mean i shot andy warhol got a lot of award nominations yeah uh the notorious betty page brooklyn's finest a movie i saw and remember almost nothing about but apparently she's in it and d'onofrio's in it so a reunion for them in that oh, she's um, also in she's also in the conjuring she got an award yeah. for best supporting actress i assume she's playing the mother probably yeah um, but yeah i mean I think she's very good as Jojo throughout the movie. I, I think her little, you know, I guess as I was... She has a really good moment that we'll talk about in Kat's portion of the movie. The thing with her is is a lot of this movie is very backweighted in terms of, like, dramatic tension. <laughs> yeah. It's um, just nothing's really... It's just winding, here are some things that are happening to these girls for about an hour, and then well, half an I hour guess... of, like, and now it gets serious! Yeah, I guess because, like, Kat and Daisy both meet their love interests very mm. early on in this movie yes. whereas jojo has her love interest already so there's no long tale that needs to be done on like what it is like the central conflict for her in this movie is laid out at the very beginning and is kind of like a slow simmer throughout yeah the entire thing yeah it's just will they work and, through it or will they ultimately realize that they are doomed and split <laughs> and there's also like there's not as much juice to be wrung out of the fact that they're not she's not the sister of the other two. It's not like they're triplets. Yeah. And you almost kind of go like, would it be better if... If there were three sisters. If there were three sisters. Yeah, probably. Because it also makes it weirder that like apparently this Portuguese pizza place in Mystic employs two other Portuguese families independently 
I mean, come on, that's, that feels realistic to me. <laughs> no, sure. Just it's just it, it was just one of those things where it's just like, and then they meet the other Portuguese family in Daisy's story. Yeah. Yeah. Where like I mean I'm not saying that like Mystic doesn't have a, like a a large Portuguese contingent, but it was just one of those things where it's just like it's you no know, I'm probably speaking out my ass because it is very much one of those things where like you watch American, it's like every single Italian American who lives in like Italian American boroughs knows every other Italian American family and whatnot. Mm. Like well, very my my godmother is Italian and she knew every single Italian person in Cambridge. It felt like anywhere <laughs> they went. If it was like a an Italian run business, she knew them, and it was like this is ridiculous at this point. You've got to be just fucking with us, and like you're talking to strangers as if you know them, and they're just too befuddled to to contradict you. The thing is, but it probably is that thing where like you go, you find like the Italian mixer or whatever in town, or the Portuguese mixer in town, and then you have like one conversation with this person, <laughs> but you just have to keep it in a row. It's like these are the people who are like more important to me than anyone else. Yeah, like, I think we it's have... just families sticking together, especially yeah. if you're immigrants, kind of thing. We have a level of cultural appreciation that doesn't exist here. Yeah. Even yeah, like you miss home and here are people who you can get a slice of home with, kind of thing. Even though, obviously, though, when you get to kind of like second, third generation immigrants, mm. you the culture that you are brought up in, obviously, there is the the hand me downs of your p- previous culture, but more often than not, the 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 second, third generation immigrants are Americanized to a, a far greater degree, and that's <laughs> to, yes. and it all becomes a big melting pot rather than a strict kind of like i am identify as yeah. the home country I, you've, you've probably never spent time in the home country I, I don't know this is i mean as i mean as evidenced by daisy and cat arujo who are as american as it gets uh but their mother is not just because julia roberts and Anna Gish are very american sure uh, although julia roberts i was trying to see like is, are any of them of descent. Have any, of descent. <laughs> yeah. Julia Roberts is the only one who has it detailed, where she is of English, Scottish, Irish, Welsh, German, and Swedish descent. Okay. So, basically, so basically most Americans. <laughs> I mean. But also most of Europe that isn't Portugal or Spain. Like mm-hmm. She is from explicitly the northern parts. Very of... good. Very good. <laughs> Julia Roberts and Annabeth Kirsch are the sisters, Daisy and Kat Arujo. We're going to start with Julia Roberts, um, the, you know, the, <laughs> the big breakout star of the movie. So Daisy is the I eldest. I mean, you sister. can tell you can tell she is the star. Yeah, she's like, like dripping with charisma. Like, yeah, I think that's the thing that's kind of like most most kind of undeniable about this movie is the pool scene with her <laughs> is is so as you say dripping in charisma. Yeah, that like it's kind of a shame the movie isn't kind of more about her, but also her plotline is like the most rom commy, the most based around all the things that are kind of annoying about rom coms in terms of. <laughs> You could resolve this if you just actually had a conversation. Yeah. Instead a lot of, of getting unspoken issues on both sides. And, yeah. And yeah, if they just why talked. why have you got mad for watching him from a distance and then dump two two crates worth of fish into his convertible? Because it looked like he still had a girlfriend. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, Daisy's the older sister. She is kind of the let's call her the streetwise one, where Cat is like going to Yale and the the prissy press good girl. Daisy likes a drink, Daisy likes a fuck, um, and Daisy's just, just have, happy, having a good time. And while they are in a bar, in walks Adam, Adam Stork, Stork. <laughs> Charles Gordon Windsor Jr. Um, Least hot of the three main men in this movie. 
Yeah. Big Logan from Gilmore Girls vibes. Right, uh, yes, yes. Which, you know, also set in Connecticut. You know, still, you know, it was all very autumnal. Everyone's in nice coats and jumpers. And uh, yeah, he, he is the rich boy who seemingly is trying to slum it with the paws for a laugh because he's he's been kicked out of college. He's claiming that he's just taking a break. You know, he's trying to hustle people at darts and, you know... Oh, what a loser. He failed to hit... He only hit two bullseyes after taking three shots of tequila, and the third one missed. Oh, what a He loser. spectacularly whiffs that last one. He though. does. He does. Two bullseyes for a, a normal person walking around is a very impressive thing. <laughs> like, I mean, anyway. it's very obvious that his college education was going to a good place. He was probably yeah. a lot of time in these kind of Drinking places. Drinking Harvard baths. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So he walks in. Uh, with his his douchey friend and their two douchey girlfriends, and he's kind of a douche as well. And I love that they order white wine in a bar, and it comes in like a pint glass. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they all want to play pool. American bars can be very, very weird about like, the drinks that you order. I still remember, like, in Texas, I ordered a vodka Coke, which in the UK... Like, not a classy drink, but no. also not something you're kind of going to get, like, someone looking weird at you. No. The bartender in Texas was like, what? You, you degenerate. What, what, what you're you sullying coke with hard alcohol. <laughs> no, it wasn't even that. He was like, why are you mixing a coloured drink with a clear, with a clear spirit? Oh, uh, like, okay. Um, Jesus, okay. Um, I, 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 I like the taste of coke, and it covers up the taste of the vodka, and I can get drunk quicker. Um, <laughs> can order a screwdriver if you prefer. <laughs> um... I think he would have accepted a screwdriver more than that. And yeah, then he like he'd like took put the straw in, put some on his tongue. Was like, oh no, that's disgusting. And I was like, I mean, I'm not drinking it because it tastes good. I'm drinking because I want to get drunk and I don't like the taste of beer. Uh, <laughs> but I've never felt more judged by a yeah. like a bartender in my entire life yeah. than than in an American bar. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. I'm figuring out what else drinks you guys don't sell cider over here. Mm. Oh god, yeah, cider is yeah, it's like a. It's just fizzy apple juice with no alcohol over there, right? Like, I think hard cider is coming through now. I, when okay. I went back to Texas a couple of years later, they did, but it was weird because they did hard cider at a festival, and I was like, "Oh, cool, this should be fun." But it was, it tasted like green apples, like Granny mm. Smith. Oh, um, yeah. Is it is it because of the craft beer revolution? Is that what's bringing cider in for them to get? But. Uh, <laughs> but it was one of those things where it was just like when you have UK cider, obviously it like tastes like. Red apples always got a very kind of like earthy taste to it. Whereas this was like, no, this tastes like Granny Smith. I feel like I'm drinking like a sweet Granny Smith fizzy drink with booze in it. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, Back to this dive bar uh, where Daisy takes these guys for, for chumps. Yes. Um, they, they all want to play pool. Charles, Chuck's girlfriend doesn't want to play. So, and, and Daisy has been eye fucking him from across the bar for the whole time. <laughs> very funny that like, she drinks beer and plays pool. He's never been hornier in his entire life. <laughs> oh my god, a woman that does these things. And yeah, they, they play two on two, him him and her against, you know, the other two friends, and the the friend says when his girlfriend messes up a shot really badly, says, Don't worry, honey, that's why we play boy girl to balance things out. And then <laughs> Daisy pots every ball and just wins the game for them immediately. And yeah. And then what he... is it? What is it that the girlfriend calls him or calls her? Like, is it a hustler or is it something more rude? Well, his friend says we've got a ringer, and then she yes. says, "I know what you are. You're a hustler." And then she takes offence to that. Those two things mean the same thing. Yes, <laughs> I don't know why one is treated as more offensive than the other, but yeah, it, it, it still is. But yeah, he then eventually tracks her down, takes her out to dinner. Winds her, dines her, the, the car breaks down, and they have to hitch, hitchhike 
and they both try using their sex appeal and it's actually quite a funny scene i was like okay this is gonna be gross but would would you stop for him if he had his pants down no (laughs) nobody would (laughs) like but i would stop for julia roberts but nobody does here so yeah um he tries fails she like tries to show him how it's done by like shushing her hair and like sticking her ass out and stuff and that doesn't work either but yeah you know they they whine they die and they fuck a lot you know and the as you mentioned the sort of the part where they need to have a conversation because it does seem like they are just it is all just good if they had had this conversation like they they have chemistry and they're, they're, they're very into each other she feels that he is slumming it with a townie and he's actually has no intention to like bring her into his world you know like because they they all get drunk and go to a country club when jojo is mad at bill they steal his truck and drive it to a country club and i and they're supposed to have gone on a meal that evening yeah correct uh no he was supposed to be at his grandmother's right and then he says that she got a migraine. He went home, he tried to call Daisy, Daisy's out. So he went out with his family. And yes, they they all get really drunk and it's it's really fucking cute. And they're all like singing and dancing together. You know, wielding the charisma of your actors, always a good thing. But yeah, they, they see him through the window with a blonde uh, who you could easily think was the blonde girlfriend he had at the beginning. He is being, and I don't know how much. It's very touchy feely. Yes, it's very touchy feely, but it's also very, very polite. Like mm, I true. cannot imagine a world in which I don't have a sister. I've got a brother. Uh, I've got a brother, but mm. I can't imagine a world in which I go to get a sibling's coat and put it on for them. Mm. Like it feels very. I don't know. Not that like, and even when you see the family dynamic later on, you can kind of imagine them all being quite antagonistic with each other. Like yeah. it doesn't feel like. They Maybe would... it's like it's the country club. You must be on maximum gentlemanly behavior, kind of thing. Even if they were like literally anywhere else, he would be like, "Get your own fucking coat, dick bag." Yeah, but yeah, they see him with a blonde, assume the worst. Uh, so Daisy, drunk drive reverses <laughs> Bill's truck. I thought when I first saw it that, I mean, it goes from I think he, she's going to key his car to. She's going to ram his car, and then the worst of all the outcomes, arguably, uh, she just dumps two crates of fish and other stuff into his car and completely trashes it. <laughs> and then he comes outside and is like, um, this is my sister. And they make up, and he's, you know, he's very good about it. I think that is rich privilege. You know, he's like, oh, well, I'll just get another car. But yeah, uh, so th- that's sort of like the start of it. And then, like, she she goes to family dinner, with him, and that is where we meet young Matt Damon as Steamer. Ridiculous. Um, what, a, what a name. <laughs> Only an American could come up with Steamer as name. Like, uh, you assume his name is like Steven or something like that, and he goes by Steamer because all the fucking insufferable rich kids have to have a, a, a nickname. No, I want, I want the parents to have been. Our children will be named Charles, Serena, and Steamer. Like bullying. Steamford. <laughs> goes Steam- by Steamer. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, they are very rich. His dad doesn't like that he's dropped out of college, uh, that, you know, he lied to Daisy about him dropping out of college, and they, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and they're sort of talking shit to each other, and then they have they have servants, uh, because they're very wealthy, and Daisy knows one of them, who was not in the movie before this, but never mind. I mean, yeah, that's the thing, is, like, stuff just kind of happens in this movie, and, like, there's a few plot threads that you kind of feel like this would be better if it was kind of introduced earlier. If like mm. we had a scene where like this girl came into Mystic Pizza or whatever it was, or like this was yeah, a proper she was, like, hangout eating with Portuguese. The yeah. So obviously they're using lobster here as a sign of wealth. Isn't 
I feel like lobster and oysters were both originally like working class people food, and then they somebody like realized, oh, we could sell this to rich people, and suddenly the the prices skyrocketed because like in New England particularly, like lobster is like very readily available. <laughs> so well, the thing is, like, obviously, a lot of it's very common. It's very easy to get. Yeah, and I I, I don't know how much of it is is we can sell it to rich people in, sell it to rich people in places outside of yeah. New England. So like the exporting makes it cost more money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well like Daisy's mum's fridge is just filled with lobster. She's like lobster, lobster, lobster like what else are you eating? And then she goes for dinner and they serve a lobster and she's like <laughs> lol. But yeah, I, I whether they meant it that way or not, I read it that way with that in mind of like this is a food that is emblematic of like class struggle and you know new money and all that sort of stuff but it is it is funny that like yeah like the food at the center of this movie is pizza which you <laughs> yeah. don't associate with new england you associate it more with as you as, like with lobster and whatnot i don't know um, allegedly boston have very good pizza i i'm I don't know. I feel like every major city claims it has really good pizza. But... I mean, Chicago claim they've got good pizza. New York claim they've got good pizza. Like, yeah. I think I feel like I watch a lot of of cooking shows and and like food travely type things. I feel like a lot of people do actually say that uh, New England has incredibly good pizza. Like, it doesn't okay. have the reputation that New York and and Chicago have, but like apparently, like. It might even be Connecticut or somewhere like that, maybe Maine. I don't know, but they they apparently do like incredibly good pizza, and they're just like not they're, they're just quiet about it. Well, coming to the Real World <laughs> Network at some point, Matt and Ben's Pizza Tour of America. Oh my god, we try pizza in every state in America. <laughs> okay, I would. <laughs> I'd be a thousand percent down for that. We'd be doing that already if that was a possibility. We'll um, find some way to monetize that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll get that Patreon going. The, yeah, at the dinner, yeah, the, the, the Portuguese friend is, is their, like, servant or, or maid or, or whatever you want to call her, and... It is funny that she comes in to talk to, to Daisy, and is just so friendly immediately, and it's like, you must know that this wouldn't be allowed. Like, you don't <laughs> normally talk to this family, but you've just kind of, like, broken all protocol immediately. You're like, yo, Daisy, what's up? <laughs> well, not quite know, that. they're, not all, quite they're all pretty young. But yeah, um, the family talks shit about Portuguese people and how, you know, you can't train these Portuguese. And then there's just this sort of hushed silence as one by one they realise, oh, Daisy's Portuguese, isn't she? Yes, incredibly Portuguese looking. Yes, Daisy takes zero offence, but Charles overreacts and grabs the the tablecloth and like pulls all of the meals into one big heap and ruins it all and... Then Daisy storms out because she's embarrassed that he's embarrassed, you know, that he's done this. And then he goes after her, and she accuses him of like using her to like stick it to her his family. But yeah, she she's making very loaded accusations about him basically using her ethnicity. Or I guess I guess it isn't that, but you know, uh, heritage to to stick it to his father. And again, they make up and get over it in the end. But like as you say, if they just had a fucking conversation. <laughs> They <laughs> like actually sat down and shared the deepest truths yeah, this, with each as other. As I said, this is like the the biggest rom commy yeah, plotline yeah. in the movie. Like Bill and JoJo is is interesting because it's kind of like a flip dynamic between what yeah. you normally see between men and women in the movie. Cat is obviously the one where it's like you get the feeling that Cat's storyline is the one that's kind of like driving a lot of this. Mm-hmm. Like it, or maybe like the most personal or the one that you can like hang the dramatic arc of a movie. It's the around. one that makes them all like 
stop what they're doing and realize she needs us and like you know what have i been doing and and yeah it, it like recontextualizes all the rest for them yeah kind of whereas daisies is like you could make this into like a standalone movie which is entirely about like julie roberts pizza waitress falls in love with like a, a upper class guy whose family she, don't quite believe it like, she don't does make like pretty her. woman like two years later three years well, later I mean, that is the thing is like this feels in some ways a dry run for the kind of rom-coms that Julie Roberts will be the queen of for mm. for, for so, so long. It's very and- funny to me that like she has repeatedly played these kind of, you know, commoners, um, like she, she poor, poor folk. Plays, she, she quite often plays a working class person. Yeah, working like, class folk, yeah. I feel like the shift happens kind of like, it's, it's Notting Hill and it's the Oceans movies that kind of like transition her into being... But then she has, like, Erin Brockovich after those, doesn't True. she? True. Well, she, oh, Erin Brockovich is before Ocean's Eleven, because obviously oh, okay. it's, with, it's with Soderbergh, isn't okay. it? Okay. Well, I just, yeah, I mean, I think of her as, like, the American equivalent of Posh, and yeah, I, that is probably just the power of, like, Notting Hill, etc. But yeah, she she kind of came up playing these, like, very working-class roles, and it's like, oh, okay. I mean, it's, it's funny, because I went to see Ticket to Paradise earlier on this year, which is... Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to say it's a great movie, but like there is a magic about seeing Julie Roberts and George Clooney on screen. Yeah, that is kind of like a little bit undeniable. Like you again, a thing that we've we've opined and we've talked about in the comparison between the movies that we're discussing in the 80s and 90s and the 2000s and the 2010s is like the lack of movie stars. Like, yeah, and and I, the the big thing with that movie was that like everyone was saying in the press cycle like, oh hey maybe you should like cast fucking movie stars because look at them. And they're just like having a normal conversation, and everyone's in, enraptured by them. But um... yeah, I mean, and it's a movie that made 163 million dollars at the box office and six million bucks. Probably not something that people are like super happy about in terms of like how much it made. But like, it still shows that you can make a hundred million dollars off the backs of just having George Clooney and, and Julia Roberts in your movie and whatnot. I don't know. It is just nice, and it's obviously just that thing where like you compare julie roberts in this where she's like obviously very early on in her career but she still has that same charisma and magnetic appeal in that movie as she does in this movie and uh, it's a real shame that we haven't found people that can kind of do this same thing like in the kind of the time in between this or like we've lost the ability to kind of like mold movie stars into being this kind of person and obviously like she's she's had her fair share of kind of like real bad films in kind of the last 10 years like valentine's day and and all those kind of valentine's day mother's day are just kind of like really bad uses of her star power but i feel so like people blame like marvel and and like the way movies have gone on there being no movie stars i think some of it is like we have so much more access to them so no one's mysterious and everyone gets milkshake ducked like before they can really blow up Yes, I, I, I do think the, the access to social media means that there's very rarely a movie star with any level of mystique. Like, yeah. I think that's why Tom Cruise still has some level of that appeal. Because he's off all of that, and he's... I mean, he's, he's got bad mystique in that everyone is like, he's a Scientologist. <laughs> but... Yes, but like I mean, it's, it's similar to like Leo, where like Leo isn't on any social media websites, mm. and he doesn't really do interviews. Yeah. So you end up with this thing where like the only thing we talk about is, boy, he has a ceiling for what age of girl he dates. <laughs> also, he's really into like climate change. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Um, that's, that's all we know about Leo. True. Um, 
I mean, True. there's obviously the there's the rumors of the, in the press that people have ascribed to being about Leo, but are never given a name of like, I slept with a famous movie star in his like 40s or 50s or whatever, and he wore headphones and listened to a podcast the entire time we were having sex. Yes, and, <laughs> and everyone wait. assumes it's Leo. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but that's the thing is like Julie Roberts is definitely not someone who feels the urge to be on. Yeah social media in that same way yeah. and i mean but even she's had to do that thing where like she went to do homecoming that 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 show mm. um a few years ago with with sam Esmail obviously directing a lot of it which you wouldn't imagine 30 years ago that she would be doing television yeah yeah but i mean you know mcconaughey broke down boundaries for everyone uh <laughs> he did he did and he won an oscar for it he did Mud is a hell of a movie. Um, <laughs> right, let's uh, let's finish up with Annabeth Gish. Well, finish up the trio. Uh, there's the whole fucking title of the movie to address at the end. Annabeth Gish, Cat, the good sister, the the young one. She's going to Yale. She's working like eight jobs to save up because just in case they didn't tell you enough, they're all poor. And she takes babysitting gig with Tim Travers and his charming little daughter Phoebe, who. <laughs> triumphantly exclaims I'm nine after they've just established she's four and he's like no you're not and I was like this is good this is good kid acting good kid writing she has that fucking turtle sand pit that I didn't realise they had them in America but like I feel everyone in the UK had the fucking turtle sand pit and I didn't oh okay but you're aware of them though right like, yeah yeah, yeah, sure. yeah they're everywhere it's like those red and yellow cars like Flintstone style you know you, you, you Flintstone yourself because there's a hole in the feet and they're these big red and yellow plastic cars, and they're, like, everywhere as well. Yes, yes, I had one of those. I, yeah. I had one of those, didn't have the sandpit. Okay, well, I had the sandpit, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> That's why you had a better childhood than <laughs> Um <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, uh, Tim Travers' wife is in England for several weeks, and apparently... I mean, you know, he is an architect, he's a busy man, and apparently this kid doesn't go to school, but, like, he simply can't survive uh, without a woman to do domestic things. I, I think specifically look after the kid. They try and play it off as he works really late hours and stuff, but, like, I don't know, dude just seems like he just <laughs> doesn't want to do any solo parenting. And Tim is a dilf quite frankly, um, with his big flowy shirts and his, you know, glasses that he questionably doesn't even need and his his, his, his lovely f- fl- floppy hair and all that. Yeah, he's um, a, real, a real hottie yeah. who... Oh, and uh, he knows about architecture and he knows about old romantic ghost stories. And, uh, and he's willing to listen to her talk about her astronomy degree. Yes. Who allowed her to, <laughs> to be the first in her family to go to college? And be like, I want to study astrology. Astrology? <laughs> Astronomy. Yeah, Jojo makes that joke. She's going to be a world-famous astrologer. <laughs> Astronomer. Yes, so she is a young, impressionable lady. He is a sophisticated older man. Obviously, she falls in love with him over the course of the movie. And they are, te- you know, the other two girls are teasing her about it. And she's like, no, it's not like that. Um, very funny scene where... Their mother has fallen asleep watching Lifestyles of the Rich and the Famous, which, to anyone in the UK, I know it was a real show. It sounds like Alan Partridge. <laughs> and it sounds like a fucking spoof. Like, this person lives in this very expensive place. Let's find out about it. The kicker that is Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> I, like, I don't think... 
no, Trump has just bought it. Trump has bought it like a couple of years before this movie, I think. So it is owned by the Trump family. But it was one of those moments where it was almost like a horror movie twist ending to that episode. Where I was like, oh my god, no! This is where the codes are. Yep. <laughs> the answer was in Mystic Pizza all along. Yes, and then while she's asleep downstairs, they are like teasing each other upstairs, and Julie Roberts, Daisy, throws condoms at Cat, and they almost hit a pair of prayer hands on the wall of this deeply Catholic home. Very funny moment. But yeah, like she, you know, she's taking care of the kid. She she's very good with the kid. She's bonding with with Tim. There is a Dill ten- comes to see her like giving the talk at the the planetarium or whatever. Yeah, and she, like, flubs all her words because she's just so horny for him. And, yeah, there is a potentially juicy reveal uh, where the kid, because kids pick up on stuff and are very perceptive, you know, she's like, oh, mummy lives in England now. She's like, no, 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 she's just staying there. And she's like, yeah, we're not getting a divorce. And it's like, hmm, <laughs> that feels like something that <laughs> one of your parents has said to you. And, like, Kat is, like, elated at this potential revelation and... You know, he I did... can start making legitimate moves on this man. Yeah, yeah. Like... They're separated. They yeah. were on a break. Yeah, <laughs> we're on a break. Yeah, you know, he gives her, her ju- his jumper because it's cold. And, and it all comes to the head of, like, I don't know what the pretense to this was other than, let's go have sex in the empty house you're working on. Because, yeah. Is, it... is the implication that they're going to, like, he basically like bums around gets hired by people to to build up their house and that moves to different places to build to do the architecture yeah i think he's a local contractor kind of thing and he just sort of bounces between different developments and and oversees but but like does but does he live do they live in this house or is he like renting this house on a temporary basis oh well i mean yeah i mean it, it feels like he's doing up his own house and then he's also working on these other houses and the one with the like ghost story I think is the house he's working on. Right. I just couldn't tell whether or not, like... Because he tells he... Phoebe to stay on the porch because the porch isn't finished or... I don't know. But yeah, like, so he she gets Jojo to cover her... She she, get, he, she gets Jojo to babysit Phoebe. What's the night that she annoys Oh, Daisy yeah, she, by, like... she just stays a bit too late and I think has a glass of wine with him or whatever. And yes, then, yeah, just Daisy's furious. That... Yeah, there's the shot of her on the floor, like, drinking the wine, like, laughing and, like, touching his leg and stuff like that. Yeah, and it's yeah, like... yeah. yeah so Daisy's furious because, I mean, she misses dinner with the first attempt at dinner with Charles's family. And then, like, you have the, the sisters are beefing for, like, the next ten minutes of the movie with, yeah, like, Daisy is just fucking furious at her and is like, you know, that's my table and, and all this sort of stuff. And then, yeah, so Jojo watches the kid and Kat and Tim go to an empty house and just bang, basically. And then when What they... a romantic place to lose your virginity. I know. A candlelit I mean, I mean, empty house with a ghost story? Come on. To be fair, it's better than like a lot of people I know his first time, so you can't. <laughs> it's not a trampoline, that's for sure. <laughs> that's not my story. That's I know, but story. everyone knows somebody who lost their virginity on a trampoline. Um, it's a rite of pas- passage in the UK. <laughs> Fingered in a cinema. Lost your virginity in a trampoline. Yeah, they get home from their bang fest, and Jojo is doing her damn best to cover for them. I'm like, oh, did you get the medicine that your mother needs? Jo- like- Jojo is doing so much work for two people who come in, like, being all touchy-feely and, like, really being open about, like, the fact like, that they no just... no attempt. Zero like, attempt to cover up. daughter is in this room. Yeah, well, yeah, there's that, too. Um, but yes, the mother has come home, and... Yeah, Tim is a coward, 
and just basically doesn't even say another word to Cat and just tries to, you know, they give Jojo money for the babysitting she did for... I mean, that that blows their story apart. If the story is, oh, Cat was here, but then they had to go out to get medicine for only, like, half an hour. They haven't been gone that long, I promise. Um, but yes, we should pay you for a night of babysitting if you've ostensibly been there for, like, less than an hour. <laughs> but yeah, Cat is obviously devastated, doesn't know what to say. Tim won't acknowledge it. So Jojo is just talking a mile a minute and getting them out of there. And then, yeah, Lily Taylor's little performance when they're driving home in the rain and Cat is just dumbfounded and Jojo is just talking and talking and talking and talking I think is wonderful <laughs> yeah and again that's the moment that she realised that like oh Bill ain't so bad yeah Bill isn't so bad Bill isn't Bill married Bill isn't going to turn with... up at my place of employment and give me hush money so I can go to college <laughs> yeah yeah so she gets home and, and Daisy is still being full on bitch mode to her but then realises oh she's upset and then it all goes away and they're just besties again because yeah Cat cries her eyes out and, and is heartbroken and as you said Tim walks into the pizza place and is like, oh, here's some money for Connecticut. And also Phoebe wanted to say goodbye. And, you know, the bond with Kat and Phoebe is genuinely nice and cute. And, you know, I think it helps her, like, imagine, you know, the world where, like, oh, we could be the new family kind of thing. But, yeah, and the wife is just sitting in the car and, like, they make direct eye contact. And she drives away and it's like, the wife knows, right? Like, <laughs> surely the wife knows. Um, but, yeah, she she tears the check up learns her lesson but then uh so leona owner of the pizza place uh conchata farrell most famous for her role in the terrible two and a half men as uh as charlie's live-in like housemaid whatever she's like we never had kids you three are our daughters here's some fucking money for yale you can pay me back and it's very touching but yes uh her element of the movie is you know the title of the movie and the part that you found particularly dumbfounding i think i've always just been like okay yeah cool it's called mystic pizza they work at mystic pizza half of the scenes are shot and mystic pizza what's the problem here but... no then no 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 you're putting way too like, like a third of the scenes are in mystic they pizza. are there a lot it's probably the most recurring co- uh location even I, if, if I... minutes spent there are not okay, equal minutes spent there is number one but i would say it's probably erringly close towards tim's house <laughs> yeah maybe yes they make it's a double meaning. They are, it's in Mystic Connecticut, but then the, Leona will not tell them what is in the secret source of the Mystic Pizza. I bet it's just oregano. Um, <laughs> what, are, what are famous spices from the Algarve? I mean... Gonna, Algarve spice. The, the first thing that comes up is seven spices Indian cuisine. I'm pretty sure they're not doing Indian pizzas mm-hmm. in this place. Um, I mean, it just feels like something they've just said. Like, they know it's a Portuguese town, and uh, like, and they're just like, oh, yeah, just like Mama used to make. It's like, you're thinking of the wrong country. <laughs> like, <laughs> sorry, but... It would make more sense if they had, like, a special, like, seafood pizza or something. Well, that's the thing, is, like, when I go to Portugal, uh, by the especially the Alcarve, it's all, like, the seafood is so good. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying, I've had pizza in the Alcarve. It isn't the worst pizza I've ever had in my life, yeah. but it's definitely not... Well, yeah, that's like, the thing, food. like everywhere has fucking pizza like anywhere you go there is like a oh this is a famously good pizza place and it's like you know there's this stereotype that it's it's exclusively an american or italian food and like even in italy like it's not really the same but like they have pizza fucking everywhere is the thing um and no one is special and no one's it's the best. dough and tomato and cheese three things that really are not location specific yeah, like exactly. but yeah so that you know there it's 
the secret sauce and she's like oh one day when i retire i'll teach one of you how to make it and blah 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 and she likes to watch the fireside gourmet <laughs> an impossible restaurant critic it's very ratatouille who hates everything and is really posh and he one day walks into mystic pizza and orders the mystic pizza and eats a third of a slice Write some doesn't, stuff down. Doesn't even write, eat the crust. No. I feel like if you're going to do a proper review of a pizza slice, you need to have a taste of the crust. Yeah, but he does say he doesn't like pizza. So <laughs> I don't know why he even bothered with this, any of this endeavour. But, uh, yeah, right, but he says he doesn't eat pizza and then proceeds to give it his highest score possible. Four stars. Because nothing can be five stars. Yes. But, also yeah. give it a little bit of judge. Like, why is it stars? Why is it not like four tablecloths or something like that? Why have you not themed it? You've got a four golden penises. Wrong judge. Okay, sorry. I, you know, people tell me to judge things and I get in trouble. Anyway, yeah, it seems like he fucking hates it because he he barely nibbles at it, writes a few things down and then leaves and then doesn't want it in a box to go. And like, there's a bit at the beginning where like. A regular apparently leaves his false teeth in a glass of water on the table and they have to collect them and it happens to be on his table when he gets those that can have a fresh glass of water because he's got some with dentures in them but then no of course he fucking loves it recommends it they immediately start getting phone calls and, and like laugh when they're asked if you need to reserve anything but yeah and it seems like i mean they should implement the reservation system if they're about to get that of busy, course they should to be honest. but like you know for now you don't need any and uh yeah the implication is mystic pizza does gangbuster business after that and you know bill and jojo do get married and they have the reception at mystic pizza and charles helps serve chocolate ice cream to people and yeah, I guess I guess Cat is just happy. Like, I guess she gets her check. Is the thing. Um, so everybody gets something, and everyone's just happy, and it's just a nice movie. And they all go out on the balcony, and there'd been a recurring thing about because Cat is into uh, astronomy, comets versus shooting stars, and all that. And then there's a nice CGI comet at the end, or maybe it's maybe I don't know the difference. I thought shooting stars were comets personally, <laughs> but. Um, they do. They sure do have that whole thing with Julia Roberts saying, "Yeah, she goes to sleep with a sperm above her head because uh, she says that comets look like sperm." But yeah, no, it's just a nice movie, and yeah, it's not. It, it is a three star special, openly, but I like it. It's a comfort movie, and I yeah, wanted to I'm, talk Julia Roberts, and I wanted to talk D'Onofrio, quite frankly. Because... Yeah, I mean, both both big reasons why this movie works. I yeah. think. I just think my bafflement is just how. Like, how they landed on the title. Because I feel like there's a better title. This really there, bothers you. I really think it makes plenty of sense. And, like... <laughs> I just wish it was, like, either you're about, like, the like be set in the pizza restaurant. I want, like, Empire Records, but, like, <laughs> but set pizza. in Mr. Pizza. Um, yeah. But, like, I... I, I well, nothing to... can be as good as Empire Records, but... No, so. that is very true. I spoke to multiple people that I was watching this movie. And every <laughs> single like, person... Why? <laughs> every single person I spoke to who was, like... I told them I was watching this movie. Either was like, I don't think I've ever seen that, or I've seen that. It's about a magic pizza, isn't it? <laughs> and I was like, is there some weird Mandela effect yeah. on this movie where like no one actually remembers the plot of this movie and assumes because it's called Mystic Pizza, it's about a magical pizza shop? Amazing. And I'm like, what is the alternate version of this movie where there is a magic pizza? Like, what what do we change the plot to? There must be a nineties. 90s shitty family comedy with like like magic cooking it must exist people can't just be making that detail up out of nowhere like 
unless it's just one of those where like so many people lie about having seen it and it becomes like a, oh yeah this is what happens right and everyone's just like yeah 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 that's what happens and then they spread it to someone else and and so on and so on so I just typed in Magic Pizza movie to see if I can find out what this is. Number one is, is Mystic Pizza based on a true story? Number two is... I mean, probably, movie? unfortunately. I mean, what I movie this... is Mystic Pizza in? Okay. You've got the answer. Was Mystic Pizza filmed at the real restaurant? No, we no. know that. Yeah. And the number four, what's the movie Mystic Pizza about? <laughs> mm. Well, obviously Mystic River is about a magical river, so, yeah. That is very true. So, right. Right. So we put a we put a magic pizza in this movie. Mm-hmm. What plot elements get changed? Like what what does this magic pizza do? Uh, I think it makes you fall in love, and that is how the ladies end up with the, the situation. <gasps> we do it like we do it like um, a Midsummer Night's Dream, where like <laughs> everyone just fucks each to, other. <laughs> everyone just fucks each other, but like the pizza's supposed to make you fall in love with someone specific, and they spend like a night like flipping between yeah. different people. And, and stuff then like hilarious that. hijinks where the wrong person eats the wrong pizza and falls in love with the wrong person or animal. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. We can't um, release this episode now because this, uh, this idea is too too gold. It's gold. To... It's got, once you've put it out into the world, you lose the rights to it. So, yeah. All right. Well, I guess we're going to go record Ran. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I get what I want all along. Look, yes, it's Mystic Pizza. Bat your eyes all you want and then call me Mike Thomas. No, um, no, your Mike Thomas opinions are about Wizard of Oz. I do not remember rating that movie. Sorry, Jerome. I, I guess I did because you wouldn't have just made it up. But sorry, I, I have no recollection of giving that movie a rating. I haven't seen Wizard of Oz in like over 15 years. Tell me it's five stars. Tell me it's one star. I'll believe you and I do not care. Anyway... <laughs> Uh, right, next week we will be on to decidedly more sensical fare in terms of like what made it onto the list as we will cover the very first movie from my film studies syllabus, Do the Right Thing. I thought we were going to say the very first movie from Spike Lee. It's like, that's not true. I know it's not. Uh, yeah, the very first movie we covered. I didn't like it then, and I haven't seen it since, so we'll see what happens now. Ooh. I'm older and wiser. I was a shitty 21-year-old. Don't worry about it. Um, this could be interesting if you don't like it. Uh, we watched it last night, and it was one of those things where my partner was doing her finances the entire time, when I was like, the movie's happening. <laughs> Like the thing, the thing in this movie is going to happen in a minute, and, and right, you can't control what other people think of movies, Ben. That's sort of the problem with this podcast. <laughs> yeah, and when Definitely your most a... beloved movies are called three star classics, <laughs> thanks for listing them all out like that. That was really good for me. Right, but that's next week. Do the right thing. We'll see what older, wiser Matt thinks of it this time. Uh, yeah, and but until then, there is only one question. And it's not what is in the Mystic Source. Um, Benjamin, <laughs> will there be movies? Well, I know what's in the Mystic Source. It's it's powerful spices from the Algarve. Yes, okay. <laughs> we can make that the ending if you want. Yeah. Yeah. I want that to be the Okay, bye everyone. <laughs> I did it for so long.